Alright, we are back and we are doing, are doing Circa, Circa Million Circa Subscriber Contest Sign Up Weekend Part 4. We have a wonderful guest, the Vice President of Operations and Mr. Mike Baum from the Circa. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great, Kiev. It's an exciting weekend. Heck of a day yesterday. This Radio <laughs> Row looks awesome. I mean, I was at, in Phoenix for Super Bowl for Radio Row last year. This is actually quite a bit more organized than what was, than what was down there. So many markets represented, had a nice uh, past champions dinner last night at Andiamo and then a great couple hours at uh, Bar Canada hanging out with everybody and getting to network and, and meet some of our customers. So we're, you know, we're in the middle of it. Stadium swim in and out of stadium swim today. Uh, it was a little nicer earlier in the morning. Cool, starting to heat up a little bit, but uh, we'll catch some rays and, and some and some water down there today. And then uh, the panel tomorrow afternoon. I think we did about 350 entries between the two contests yesterday. I was just checking our our dashboard here, 113 so far this morning, so not bad. Approaching the 4,500 mark um, in the Survivor and about 2,600 in the uh, in the million so far. It's wonderful, man. Uh, it keeps building and building. And you're right. Uh, this is way better than what the Super Bowl was. Super Bowl is just a bunch of tables, like in like a massive, like like gymnasium looking thing. And uh, everyone's voices were going all over each other. It was it was absolutely brutal there. Uh, be, my, myself living in Chandler, Arizona, I got to experience a lot of that. But uh, you know, now we have the big contest weekend. I'm so excited for NFL football. What makes this the premier contest? Uh, in all of sports and all over the world, Mike? I think, you know, in four short years, it's the fifth year of the millions, the fourth year of Survivor. We've grown from really nothing, you know, in a small sports book at the Golden Gate across the street before people even knew what Circa was, with Circa Sports. And Derek's done a wonderful job marketing it. I think the approach we came in with no rake was the key to the whole thing. You know, the the preeminent contest in space was Westgate. They were still taking an 8% rake at that point. Now, you know, everybody's got to, gone to no rake to, to try to compete with the model. But we built it up. I mean, you know, 1,300 entries the first year. And now, you know, all of a sudden, 14 million guaranteed between two contests. And I'm pretty confident that we'll get to 10,000 in Survivor. We'll really overshoot the, you know. We'll have gone from 1,000 to 3,000 to 6,000 to 10,000 in four years. The millions is going to be close. There might be the overlay in the millions. You know, we were 1.3 million short last year at 4,700 entries. I think we'll get close to 6,000. I'm not sure if we'll get there, um, but it'll be close. It'll be, it'll be a photo finish at the end. I know in the last few days we'll still be within striking distance. Whether we get over the top or not um, remains to be seen. But the guarantees obviously are the second part of it, right? We, we put a number out there. You put your thousand dollars in. We're guaranteeing we're paying out at least this much. This first three years we we met it. Last year was the first year we didn't get there with the millions, and uh, we'll see if we can get there. The bad part about it would have been nice if we came in about eighty five hundred this year in Survivor. Then it'd be nice. Uh, Derek will go to ten million next year. Now if we blow past ten million, I'm sure it'll be twelve next year. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, mean that, I, was, I was just about to ask you if you thought there's going to be a, an overlay this year in the millions uh, or the survivor. So you think you're going to crush that number in the survivor? That is, that's that's cool. You guys are ramping it up this year. More signed up so far, but um, you know you can get to footballcontest.com. Our sponsors here. If you don't live in Las Vegas, and that's my next question: How many people from out of town 
sign up compared to the people in town? Do you know the ratio of that by chance? 90-10. It's almost 90-10. Um, and if you, and if you go to the percent that have a proxy, it's over 90 because there's people in town that get a proxy as well, because at some point during the 18 weeks, they're going to be out of town one weekend. They're going to be gone. They're not, or you just like to have a reminder on Saturday morning. Hey, I need your picks. Right. So people, people space it out. Something happens in their lives. I mean, it's amazing. People get through 10 weeks of survivor and end up not putting their pick in, you know, on a Saturday. And Real. I remember the first year the kid was, there was less than a hundred people left. I think it was week 14. Didn't get his pick in. And then he called Jeff Benson at three Oh two back then it was three o'clock was the deadline, not four. And you know, he said, I overslept. I just woke up. There's nothing we can do. You know, the computer locks off at three o'clock. There's, there's no way to even manually enter it. It's, it's over. And that's, that's good. There's no way to, you know, tamper with the system. But the proxies do a great job. I mean, if we didn't have proxies, this we'd, we'd be talking about guaranteeing fifteen hundred still in year four, right? It, it, we wouldn't. It, it, the contest wouldn't make any sense if it, it could only be people that had to be every week in the state of Nevada to put their picks in. So, the proxies uh, do a great job. It's a very professional relationship. I'd say it's kind of like choosing a hairdresser. You know, you, you know, it's something that's very important to you. I mean, it could be worth ten million dollars to you that you trust that this person's going to accurately put your picks in and going to communicate with you. They've updated their technology. All of them have most also all of them have websites. It's really easy to put your, put your picks in, keep track of who you've chosen already. And, uh, you know, if you don't have a proxy, go online, uh, you can research it. You can, you can call Jeff Benson. He can give you your options. Um, they're all very transparent and uh, it's a seamless process when you come out here. It certainly is, and they do such a great job. Wow, I didn't know it was 90%, and I can't believe somebody didn't put their pick in on week 14 last year. I mean, this was the year that you do that, I mean, especially because everyone went out so early. What caused the big bloodbath this year in Survivor? I remember one year, 35 people won it. This year, only a few. Yeah, it went from 35 the first year, five guys split the second year. So the first year, 35 guys, and then you got 67,000 each. Then the second year, five guys got 1.2 million each, plus three of them split the million dollar bonus. So they, you know, they they got another 333,000 on top of that. Uh, and then last year, two guys split six million, three million each. Although there was three guys to the end, and I'm I'm fairly confident to say they worked out a save, whether it was 1.5 million or 1.75 million, because I watched the guy that got eliminated the last week. I was there with him watching the game. He, it, it was no way he just lost two million at the end of that game. No, no way. He might have lost a couple hundred thousand. But anyhow, um, the first three weeks last year, we went from 6,000 to 2,200. I mean, we eliminated two-thirds of the field. Then we had a seven weeks where, like, only 100 people got eliminated over the night. And then there was another carnage again. I mean, everybody remembers the Christmas Eve with, you know, the, the Raiders and the Steelers. And the Raiders had the game. If the Raiders win that game, the one guy wins the whole $6 million. Instead, he gets knocked out the next morning. With, with Miami against the Packers, the Packers win in Miami. He went from winning six million to nothing. I mean, I felt bad for that guy in Texas. Now, how much he was able to hedge on a Christmas Eve game, knowing that if they had won, if the Raiders had won and knocked out all the Steelers people, he would have won the whole six million. I don't know. It's Christmas Eve and how much could he get down? I don't know. But I mean, talk about a twist of fate in less than, you know, it was like 18 hours from six million to nothing. So the stories of Survivor are incredible though every year. And that's the beauty of the contest. Because when you get knocked out, it's always a bad beat. You always had the favorite, right? You took a team that's usually a pretty solid favorite, usually at home, and something happened. They had three turnovers. They played their worst game of the year, some bad beat on an end, 
And so when you do get eliminated, it just you can't wait for next year to get back in. And next year, you're going to get more entries to try to protect yourself better. Uh, 100%, man. Uh, it is such a crazy strategy and so many emotions. Now, I have a question for you. Are these people hedging at Circus Sports? Are they placing their money at Circus Sports? And uh, uh, it, it, does that move the line when they do it, being you're looking at a six to seven? You know, it depends on the amount of the bet. And some people start hedging like week 12, week 13, start, you know, 10, 20,000, trying to make at least some profit off of their play. When it gets later, it could be 250,000. We'll take the bets. You know, we'll move the line appropriately based on what we need to do to, to, to balance the action on the game or what are, you know, some of our opinions built into how we book a game as well, what side we want to be on. But we don't turn away anybody's hedge bet. Even if it's a, a live money bet and they want to hedge that and create a middle, we don't back people up. I remember two years ago, Derek had a future ticket that would have paid a million dollars if Michigan won the national championship. And so he wanted to hedge, and they were the dog in the game against Connecticut. You know, he wanted to hedge. I think that was Connecticut was a three three dollar and sixty cent money line favorite in the game, and he wanted, or it was Louisville, and he wanted to hedge um, hedge to win a hundred thousand. You know, so he would either win a hundred or win the million minus the three sixty. And you know, he went to the place where he had to take, and they said, "No, we're not interested in hedge bets." So he had to call up several other books, and then one of the books said, "Yeah, Derek will take your bet for you." We, you know, we understand, and then he got the money down. So he ended up at least. Out of, I think he spent five thousand on a, on the future ticket. He ended up, you know, getting a hundred thousand back out of it. But I mean, that really kind of it was before we were in the the book business yet. You know, that kind of really honed our attention on how we want to run a book. And it's not like that. I mean, I mean that's amazing because uh, that just goes to show you how good circus sports is and why your reputation is impeccable now. I mean, you don't play around games. You don't play games. You don't eliminate sharp players from coming here and, and betting uh, larger amounts. You take all the action that you can, and it's making you more and more popular. It's a wonderful strategy, and I absolutely love it here at circus sports. Now let's talk a little contest strategy, you know, coming in. So the number one question I have, you have Survivor, right? You have week one. And then you have the Baltimore Ravens now all the way up to minus 10. Mike, if you were playing Survivor, would you be playing the Baltimore Ravens this week? Take the commanders. Um, because when else are you going to use them? And I, you know, there's, there's many different strategies. But I, I think you have to go back because of the special weeks, the Christmas and Thanksgiving, and you have to – kind of figure out, keep two options in each of those weeks that you're going to save if you get there. And maybe not even Christmas. Maybe it's just Thanksgiving and work from there. Um, that would be my first thing. And then, to me, you have to look at the map and figure out, take all 32 teams and figure out what are the weeks you might possibly use. Them. And your opinion of a team is going to change, obviously, during the course of the year. But have 32 different things and have week one, week two, and, and listen. And, I mean, Kansas City, you might use eight different times, right? But line all these things up. And if there's only one or two weeks you're going to use a team, you better focus on that week. I like the spot because I think they get a lift from Snyder being gone. You may actually have Commander's fans in that stadium. I mean, it should be a pretty good atmosphere, right? They come back to that stadium under new ownership, playing a team they're supposed to pummel. I mean, Arizona's supposed to be the worst team in the NFL. They should be flying high in that game. If you look at the schedule, they're going to be a dog the next 12 weeks. I mean, so I would use them there instead of the obvious pick, right? 
And other people say the Vikings, too. I, I, I'd stay away from that Vikings. I don't know about the Vikings. The Vikings, to me, are uncertain. I'm not saying they're going to, you know, win five less games and go under eight and a half. But I think that's a, a tricky game with Tampa the first week, too. So if it was me, let's say if I had one, I would use um, I would use the commanders. If I had six entries, I might go four commanders, two Ravens. Now, it depends on the number of entries. But that's my thoughts on week one. That's a great point because, uh, you know, everybody's going to be on the Ravens, and that's now how you want to lose. Um, anything can happen week one. Week one's just, just a lot of variance, you know, and then you talk about the Vikings. That's a very high-variance-type team, low-confidence level, you know, on their spreads. That's the kind of way I look at it as well. Uh, you know, you mentioned Arizona. It's almost like you could just find Arizona every week and try to pick the team, right? Is it? that you can that you can go against multiple times. If we made this contest, you have to pick the loser and can only use a team once. No one's going to make it through. No one's, you know, nobody's going to make it through because it's exploiting the bad teams is how you win these things. So, uh, and you know, the, I remember like the, the Jets and Jacksonville were, you know, remember they're competing for to be two and 15 or whatever that your people were just going against them. Every That's how people made it you against the Jets four times against Jacksonville three times out of out of your 20 picks. So, and, and I don't know that Arizona's going to be the worst team, but on paper, it doesn't look good. And I'm sorry, sorry that you live in Chandler and you got to <laughs> endure this, but you know, no Christmas cards for the Bidwells. I'm, I'm a lonely Bears fan, man. Oh. So I'm from Chicagoland area originally, but I have been in Arizona for 10 years. Uh, and I do follow the Cardinals. Uh, I wouldn't say like they're a favorite of mine, but I, I like the locals to be happy. I like, I, I like to see them win. Uh, so it's no skin off my back, but, uh, you know, I think they're pretty frustrated with the whole situation that kind of passed with Steve Kime and all that and paying Kyler Murray, who kind of seems like a little bit immature, uh, but he's not going to be starting yet. I think Colt McCoy, if he's starting, I, th I think that's a wild card, too. I think he could maybe just pull up his Texas days, you know, feistiness and possibly win a few games. So it's a little dangerous there. It's funny how you mentioned the survivor losers. Sean's in a, uh, one of those losers pool uh, himself, and I think that just uh, makes that kind of extra fun. So. Uh, I love that. Let's talk a little millions then. Uh, contest strategy on the millions. So uh, obviously there's different scenarios. You're either winning or losing. Uh, uh, do you kind of approach it like you would a survivor or stay away from the kind of the trendy picks, even though the line moves? Let's just say uh, on the on the board it's two and a half and it's pick them now. Uh, you know, everyone's going to maybe grab that two and a half. Uh, is that part of your strategy or is it just based upon your impression and power ratings, how you look at these actual teams? It has to influence you, especially if the number, you know, gets over three or seven, crosses three or seven. It, it's so important. I mean, it, it's, a lot of this being successful over years is just betting the number, not the team. Um, I think early on, you don't have to worry about being too contrarian. I think when you get into the final week of a quarter or you get to the final quarter of the year and you're competing for year-long prizes, that contrarian theory has to enter your mind where you're going against the stale moves. You're taking, you know, you're taking... You're taking the team playing the two and a half in the pool when they're really a pick them uh, and when they're really a pick them in real life. Because, you know, if you win that game, so many other people lost it. And so it's like playing head to head in the baseball. You're making up two games. You know, it's, it's important in a race. But I think early in the year, you got to stick to your power ratings. Uh, the guys that do really well in contests are really good on the injury news. You know, they're, they're, they're studying these, the beat reporters. They're trying to get ahead of all this injury news and, and, and understand the stuff. So, you know, heading into that Saturday afternoon window to get your pick in late. 
Uh, and then just having a feel for situations. You know, a lot of NFL is so situational. The, you know, the best teams are going to lose four or five games because of uh, different spots and, and, and different matchups and stuff like that. So the biggest, the in, most interesting thing to me is if you start off poorly, when do you decide to go for the bottom prices, right? I mean, it, when, when do you make that decision? Do you make it week two? Do you make it week three? Do you, if you're like in the top, 80 but in the third quarter you did terrible the first three weeks you try to win that booby prize you know it, it's really interesting stuff and and most of these guys that end up winning these booby prizes made the decision right out of the box you know they went 0 and 5 in week one and said screw it i'm going to try to pick losers because i'm already five games behind or four games behind let's just go for it you know because you're, you're going to use your picks the same way you're just betting the opposite I, I say it to people if they have you know kids come out here and they gathered a thousand you know they got four guys and they only have enough for one entry what should they play? I, I tend to say millions because there's 126 different ways to win the million survivor. There's only one way you got to go through the whole season. At least you get the whole bang for your buck. Um, it, for me, I would just play survivor because I'm not smart enough to pick five games every week. You know, if it was two games a week, I might think I had a shot, but you start having to find the third, fourth and fifth game. Like, Oh God, these numbers are just too sharp. Um, so but, uh, you know, and it, it's interesting because there's not that much crossover. I mean, you would think that the majority of people would have entries in both, but that's not the case. It's it's more like 25% or less do both, do both. Because they're very different contests. Yeah, that's funny you say that. I, I, I just talked to someone that won Survivor a couple years ago. He said he only had one entry the whole year. And then he bought 30 of them last year and, and busted them all by week seven. Isn't it just a mind thing? Yeah, Chris. Yeah, great guy there. But, uh, you know, so last question about the millions then. Uh, I preach against going to the Thursday game. I mean, there's just so much injury information that comes out on Friday. But I need to know this. What percentage of entries are coming in on Thursday for that Thursday night football game? We have 5,500 people in it this year. I don't know that we'll ever get a Thursday with 200 picks on a Thursday. It's just, are you willing to give up the info on, on 14 or 15 other games to pick a game you think you're going to win? It's just, it makes no sense, right? Survivor's a different story, right? Because if that's the game you've honed in on, that's the game you've honed in on, and you're, you're going to make the play now. But it, it's very rare, very rare we get more than 100 picks on a Thursday night game. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what I would say. I would say you you'd have to be pretty desperate in that situation, and that you'd have to know the injuries, like the outcomes of a lot of these people questioning. I mean, injuries. Friday's the biggest injury news day. I remember when Kirk Cousins was announced out on a Saturday, and uh, you know, proxy last minute. You try to get your proxies to do everything at the last minute, uh, if possible, and, and try to give you some of that time. Well, Mike. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. You guys are the best over here at Circa. Uh, I can't wait to promote this contest. And obviously, I just signed up for the millions here, uh, considering Survivor myself. But uh, you know, we'll see how the weekend goes. But, but once again, you've been very gracious, and we appreciate your support. Thanks. Appreciate being on the show, and enjoy the rest of the weekend. All right, All right fellas, we will be, be back, back in five, five minutes, minutes with, with more from the Oddsmakers and Circa Contest weekend. All right, we are back with more from the Circa Sports and Contest Weekend. Sean Kanaki back on. Sean, my man, we have week one lines out already, and I'm going to start showing these lines right here uh, on my screen. You know, it's funny. I have a couple plays early. I took Tennessee plus three and a half, I believe, and then I took the Rams at plus six. Those lines have moved. 
but I'm wondering if you got a chance to look a little bit yourself uh, at these lines and see if, uh, you know, there's possibly a little bit of value here coming into week one. Yeah, we were on uh, one of the same games there. I got the Rams at five and a half, a uh, little, little worse than you were at, uh, not under four. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. I, I, I think, you know, with the healthy Rams team, especially on offense, they should be able to compete there at home. Um, that was one of the ones I jumped on right away. I wasn't as crazy as you were on Tennessee. Uh, it's down to three and a half right now for the Saints. Um, I, I'm not going to touch that game because I think, you know, the Saints could actually show up. New coach, David Carr, retribution game one. Um, Want to be a part of part of the big winning weekend week one. And I, I think the Saints could actually pull them out. So I stayed away from that one. Uh, the, the one I did get on early besides the Rams was actually the Steelers when they were plus three and a half. Uh, that's down under a field goal now, so a little bit of change there. But Steelers at home, uh, Kenny Pickett year two, Mike Tomlin, still one of the best coaches. Not that Shanahan isn't, um, but I, that was the other one I jumped in right away. I got that at three and a half. So those were the two early ones I was on. Um, I think as the numbers start shaking out uh, over the next couple of days, you're going to see some values on the dogs start popping up. Um, I think you know Tampa Bay at plus six is attractive. I don't think the Vikings are. Uh, are quite uh, what everybody seems to think, at least in the over-under pool, and six points against Tampa Bay just because they don't have Tom Brady anymore. It seems like a lot. That team uh, is not going to win a ton of games, but six is still a big number for a team that uh, won the Super Bowl a couple years back. Yeah, I think a lot of these lines are perfect almost. Uh, you know, looking at my power ratings, looking at some of the lines, I mean, Eagles at the Patriots, uh, minus four and a half. Yeah, it's probably a good line. You know, I mean, uh, it's like right between the three and the six here. Uh, uh, pretty sharp line, I would say, because, you know, you probably have the Eagles, you know, six or seven points above the average team, and you probably have Patriots about the average team, get a little home field for, for the Patriots. You know, you're, you're looking at around four and a half. That's, that's really what it is, so. You know, that's the kind of way you got to look at that. Uh, you know, it's funny is that home dogs, there's a trend. I don't know the exact number, but it's a high percentage that home dogs, divisional dogs week one do extremely well. And that's why you see Cleveland being only a two-point dog at home to, uh, to Cincinnati. I mean, it, I expect Joe Burrow to play. He's going to come in a little bit rusty, but Cleveland likes to have Cincinnati's number from time to time. I think this is going to be a coin flip game myself. Uh, the Cincinnati did not start out well last year. If you remember well against the Cowboys, they, uh, against a backup quarterback, you know, I mean, that was an important thing. So uh, I find a couple of these games pretty interesting. And some of these trends are interesting as well. Yeah. The, the Steelers, I think we won last year and they lost They're at four turnovers, 10 sacks, something like that. And their offensive line could still be an issue. And, and Cleveland Deshaun Watson year two, right? I mean, he missed the first six games. He had no no offseason workouts, really. And he came in and he underperformed. But he's still a quarterback that has shown that he can be an elite elite passer. Um, and that defense, while a year older, is certainly still talented enough to actually compete in that division, which I think is the best division in football. So uh, the books are obviously thinking the same thing that we're talking about right now. Brown's getting one and a half. They're, they're basically begging you to bet on the Bengals here at this point, right? So I, I don't think the Browns is a bad play there. Um, if I'm going to play them, I'm not going to take the points. I'm, I'm going to take the, the plus money for 115 or 120 and, and bet the Browns to win. But, again, it's week one. I'm staying away from a lot of stuff. I'll be, I'll be on a couple things. But the advantages we got, you know, six, seven weeks ago is, is I think the uh, 
the key to betting week one. Find the play that you think is right after the draft. Find where you think the value is. Get in on it, and then watch the carnage happen for the rest of the company. How juicy is this easier leg right now with the Commanders at minus seven? I mean, Commanders minus seven against Zona. Uh, that's pretty juicy right there. I, I, I'm i not going to lie. Colt McCoy does make me jer- nervous. But I think teasers you got to be careful with because when there's more variance in the early weeks, uh, teasers don't hit as well. But when you start getting week three, week four, the lines sharpen up. That's when you play teasers. It's almost like you want the books to be perfect when you're playing teasers because you that's where you want to make your money. You're moving the spread six points. Going through long teasers means you're going from past the three, past the seven. You know, that's a big percentage line move. There's no bigger percentage uh, in change. Obviously, there's a percentage to every money line than teasers through the three and the seven in football. So that's a juicy teaser leg. I'm going to try to find a a dance partner here uh, just to talk about not saying I'm taking anything yet. But, uh, you know, it's hard for the Ravens if they're nine because you can't tease them down to three unless you do a six and a half point teaser, which I'm not super fond of. Uh, we'll see where Minnesota goes with Tampa Bay. That could be a dance partner. It's at six and a half right now. Um, if the market decides that it should be a seven, seven and a half point favorite, then that's where you may be, uh, especially at seven and a half, uh, where you might want to take this teaser. I could also see Washington getting to seven and a half itself, but it's a strange week. Uh, and these week one lines, there's not a whole lot of, uh, uh, opportunity on from the sevens, but from the twos, there is. Cleveland, like we just said, plus two to plus eight. Are you kidding me against Cincinnati? That's going to be a back and forth game with Deshaun Watson right there. That's a good teaser leg right there, in my opinion. That's a good dance partner for Washington, Sean. So uh, anything to add on that? I'm going to agree with part two of that question. As much as we talked about strategy where the commanders are the playing survivor, right? Because people are going to be on the Ravens and other stuff too. I still don't trust Washington as a team to win any single game. I know they're a seven-point favorite. It's the right play on the strategy side of things for Survivor, as we were talking about. Cleveland plus eight and a half, or plus eight, or plus seven and a half, wherever that line ends up. Yes, absolutely. But I am not including Washington just to win on that teaser. I'll take them to the Survivor legs I got, but I am not putting them in with the teaser. If I had to do one, um, be honest with you, I tease it the other way. I, I think Philly walks into New England and walks all over them. If, if I get Philly just to win there at plus three, I think it's uh, three and a half right now or four. If that starts tickling the other way, which it's starting to look like, um, that'd be the one I'd tie in with it. But again, for me, it's week one. I want to take the bets where I saw value early, see what happens, see what the starters do when everybody's together and actually playing for real. That's where I want to put my money, and that's going to be in week two. So I'm an action junkie, though, so I like to play. So there's going to be something. I just won't be on Washington on that team. Like with you. I'm going to float around for a little bit here, talk about where we're at, what we're doing. Uh, we did touch on a few divisions uh, yesterday, with, uh, mostly on the AFC South. Uh, we started getting into the NFC North, and I'm going to go back there right away and kind of talk about where we're at with the NFC North. Uh, we touched on the bottom of the division, and, and the Bears – um, for me, obviously, are an underplay, and I, I, I think Justin Fields hasn't progressed. That offensive line is a wreck. Uh, the weapons have upgraded on the offensive side of things, but if you look at the overall overall team, uh, defensive unit was 29th DVOA, 30th in yards last year. For them to make that jump to eight wins to hit that season total over, I, I, I'm not seeing it. So 
Uh, for me, one of my best plays and one of my earliest plays was still the Bears under seven and a half wins. I don't think they're getting to eight and nine uh, on a one-year turnaround with a bunch of draft picks and, and an underperforming quarterback. Justin Fields at some point has to progress in the downfield passing game for them to get to that point. If he can't stretch the field, he's still going to run for 120 yards a game if he wants to. They're still going to have great design plays, and uh, he's going to be able to get that rushing yards. But for them to actually get those first downs, convert those third and tens, convert those third and eights, he's got to be able to throw downfield. It can't be a scramble every single time. And until they can prove to me that he can do that, uh, I'm off the bears. That defensive unit's just not good enough. Uh, moving over to Minnesota, uh, I, I think this is, you know, the one uh, the one team where everybody's still overvaluing Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. Yes, they're an amazing grouping. Um, but if you look at their schedule, they've got a first-place schedule. Their at-large games are Philadelphia, San Francisco, and Cincinnati. Uh, their cross divisions are the AFC West, uh, which obviously is four extremely difficult teams, and they get a weaker opponent in the NFC South. So if they can get that AFC West and Philly, San Francisco, and Cincinnati, and they go 500 on that, maybe they hit that nine wins. But I think this team has gone backwards on defense. And can they get to nine wins playing Philly, San Francisco, Cincinnati, Kansas City, the Chargers, Denver, and the Vegas Raiders? Sure, they might beat the Raiders. I don't think they win another one of those games. I think two and five is optimistic. So for me, I, I I don't think they go seven and three in those other games. I'm on the under here too with the uh, with the Vikings. Give me the under eight and a half. I think that's a great play. The two top teams potentially. Pardon me with the water. <clears throat> are the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions? And Green Bay is kind of a wild card. Uh, they they've underperformed with Aaron Rodgers on defense. They have a solid running game, a decent offensive line, and and they should be able to continue that grind out on the running game. And, and it's going to keep teams up in the box. They're going to come up and challenge Jordan Love. If he can actually throw the ball downfield a little bit, which I haven't seen quite yet, um, his underneath passing game was good. The first preseason game that he actually played an extensive amount last week, he, he put in for a couple touchdowns and, and actually threw the ball well. Uh, Christian Watson's going to stretch the field if he can get it to him. Uh, I don't see any drop-off from Aaron Rodgers. The so last year that team went 8-9. Um, I think they can improve on that if, if Jordan Love can find a way to get the ball downfield. Uh, if you can't, then maybe uh, we look at the Packers, you know, being an underperforming. I think they went six and 10 in Rogers first year, way back in the day. They come on that area, but I'm not touching that uh, overall bet. Seven and a half. I think they could win 10 games. I think they could win four games. It all depends on what Jordan Love has to bring the table. Uh, Tony was on here earlier talking about the Lions. And I think the Lions have the uh, shoe-in to win the division. I don't think Minnesota Green Bay, if, if the Lions perform on offense like they did last year, is going to be able to challenge them. Uh, feels weird. They haven't won uh, in 30 years. 30 years to win the division. That's that's something uh, that nobody else can really say. Uh, the NFC East is at 18 different division winners in the last 18 years. Detroit hasn't found it in 30. They broke the streak of winning at Lambeau a couple years back. I think they break that streak this year. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson has shown uh, to be the superior draft pick from that class uh, at the number two spot. And in the back seven, they had some turnover. Uh, Jeff Akut is gone. They did grab three corners in free agency. Uh, first round pick on Jack Campbell, I think, is going to be good. So the defensive unit is what they had to improve. This offense is not going to take a step back, uh, just really losing Jamal Williams. I think they've got the right pieces and the right players. The offensive line solid. 
Um, David Montgomery should be able to step in. He's not as, he's not as dynamic uh, for a long field break play as Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift, but he certainly can compete in those areas. So um, I, I'm holding off on the bet uh, nine and a half, but I think that team wins the division. I think the number's probably right. We'll see what happens there. Uh, one of the other divisions I want to kind of circle back around on is the NFC South. Um, these are the teams have a really weak schedule. There's no really dynamic overall offense, defense in either uh, in any of these four teams. So where are we going to land on this? Where's the value hiding here? Um, you know, I, I, I think Tampa Bay and Carolina, obviously with Brady being gone, uh, you got a young quarterback coming in. Uh, in Carolina, what are they going to be able to do? You know, Bryce Young lost four draft picks and DJ Moore. Uh, they've had five different quarterbacks leave the team passing in the last five seasons. So Bryce Young is what they're hoping to break that streak with, and I think he can do it. Uh, but they definitely invested in his future in order to get him. Uh, they did get Adam Thielen, Miles Sanders, Hayden Hurst, DJ Turk. They got him some weapons to surround him. So I certainly think they can actually be a part of that. Uh, defense, 25th and DVOA. Uh, not a lot of improvement as they were going along. But they certainly had some positive momentum at the end of last season after Matt Rule got fired. Uh, rookie quarterback, weak defense, still not a good measure. Um, you know, as I wrote in the article, if you read it on the Ozbreakers, Dak Prescott, Big Ben, Andrew Luck, there's a lot fewer of those than there are the guys like Jamarcus Ruckel, Tim Couch, Johnny Manziel. Um, so for me... If, I, if I'm going to play anything in this division, it's the under on Carolina. I've got them two and a half games under where their win total is right now. I've got them at five wins. Uh, you know, the strength of schedule is the hard part. They get Seattle, Miami, and Dallas, and they're at large games, uh, which isn't bad. But the rest of the conference crossover games are actually pretty weak. Uh, and that's the thing for the sole division. The number one easiest schedule is New Orleans. Number two is Atlanta. So they've, they've got an easier schedule with their, with their divisional games and who they're playing in the FC and NFC this year with the South. Uh, at the top of the division, people are really building up Atlanta, right? The Vegas win projections update and a half, and I'm not touching it because I don't know what Desmond Ritter is going to do. Um, they might have gotten, you know, an opportunity with, with Kyle Pitts and B. John Robinson and Drake Landon to be really good, viable weapons. The offense can click. But I haven't seen a lot in preseason yet because he hasn't played a ton. Um, but it's going to be a heavy run first attack. You got Tyler Algier, you got Robinson now, um, which they use the first pick on. And they did resign a lot of the talents that they had that were free agents. They weren't that great last year. Um, but the second easiest schedule in the NFL, if Ritter actually can able is able to do something, uh, they could certainly compete for the division. But I think the team that you got to got to pick in here, and their short favorite here, uh, is New Orleans. I I, I don't see the South. Shaking out with Atlanta with a new quarterback, Carolina with a new quarterback, Tampa Bay. I'm sorry, Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask, whoever it is. Um, it's it's got to be New Orleans. David Carr is going to be on a revenge tour, and he wasn't an awful quarterback. I don't care what Josh McDaniel said and whatever, however many times he fumbled at the goal line, stretching that ball out, which I think was four times in one season. Uh, David Carr is a viable mid-level NFL quarterback, and with a perfect defense and a perfect defense, excuse me. A, a, a functional defense, uh, he, he can compete. Um, the O-line is the weakness here. Um, you know, Jamal Williams coming in with Kamara possibly being suspended is going to play a big role there. And Chris Olave 
Michael Thomas gets healthy, Rashid Shaheed. Uh, this <laughs> offense is going to have weapons for David Carr. Defense is getting an overhaul. Uh, the whole D-line, other than Cameron Jordan, has gone. Uh, I like Brian Breezy, and I think they can piece together enough in the back end to be a mid-level defense. But that's still better than everyone else in this division, with the exception of maybe Carolina. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna find a way to win, and in this week division and the week crossover divisional schedule, uh, with their crossover games being you know not a first place team, they are going to win some games. And for me, nine and a half is too high for me because I still think this is a weak division and they're gonna lose a lot of crossover games. But this team's probably gonna win the division at ten and seven or nine and eight, and they're gonna hold off Atlanta. They're gonna. Hold off Carolina. I don't think Tampa makes even a splash of a uh, of a of a cent in the division. So Kyle Trask, Baker Mayfield, good luck. Let's switch back over here. Uh, finish up some NFC stuff. NFC East. Marco was talking about how much he loves the Cowboys yesterday. For me, can't do it. Uh, I, I'm not a believer in Dak. I never have been. He came in as a low-round draft pick. He proved some stuff a couple times here and there in the division. Uh, he's won a couple titles there, but he's never won a big game in the playoffs. And Mike McCarthy, great coach, 615 career winning percentage. And uh, you can claim it was Aaron Rodgers, but either way, it puts him in a rare company in the NFL. You know, that's Bill Walsh type stuff. And Dak threw the most interceptions in the league last year, tied with Davis Mills. Excuse me. Uh, and he did it in three less games. And metrics say that it wasn't his fault. There were tip balls. There were drop balls. If you're putting it into that type of a window where it's hitting somebody in the pads with somebody right on them and they didn't catch it, you're still putting it in a tight window, not finding the right guy at the right time. Defense should be better. Massey Smith was one of my top picks on the D-line. Uh, and I think he's going to really improve that, open things up for Micah Parsons even more. Micah Parsons is the favorite to win the defensive player of the year in the NFL. Uh, but this team was extremely lucky last year, forcing fumbles where they were net plus 12. Uh, Dak turned the ball over, like I said, most interceptions in the league. Now we're going to bet him to win 10 games. Vegas is at nine and a half, juice to the over at 170. Ooh. Tough division. The commanders should be better. I think the Giants are probably about right where they were last year. And obviously Philly is a Super Bowl team. Uh, so for me to take Dallas to either win the division or to get over that nine and a half of minus 170, I am not laying the juice. Uh, I might look at a 10 or a 10 and a half plus money if I was able to get that. But there's no way I can take them right there where they're at. Looking at the Giants, um, you know, Brian Dable, phenomenal coach. Uh, he's passionate. He doesn't play the percentages wrong. He, uh, he gets his team ready to play. The metrics say a good deal had to do with luck last year, but I, I think a lot of it had to do with the coach. I am a big-time Brian Dable fan. What I'm not a fan of is Daniel Jones. I think they paid him um, just to make sure they had somebody in the window last year, and he did improve, but he improved on year five. I'm not saying you can't make a step from year five to year six, or excuse me, year four to year five to year six, um, but he still doesn't have a number one receiver. They did sign Darren Waller, which should be a little safety blanket. If he gets a little bit better, maybe he'll do that. But Saquon, uh, obviously motivated to get the big contract he didn't get this year. Um, maybe he just coasts through 2023. He's not going to really be looking uh, to the future with the Giants, uh, so he's going to try and get 
whatever he can, whenever he can. Uh, contract years go one or two ways. Either they're motivated, they get things done, and they go out and get big plays, big times, or they don't want to be there. They go lackluster, and they still get paid because of their history. So it really depends on what kind of motivation he's got, what kind of motivation he has for the team. And uh, Saquon obviously has proven himself when he's healthy. But, again, I don't trust his health. He's been injured too many times for me. Uh, defense, got Deontay Banks, second favorite corner coming in the draft. Bobby O'Kirk, could be good. Defense should be better, but I think this team overperformed last year. Half luck, half coach, whatever you want to say it is. The schedule's a little harder. Uh, Washington's better. Philly and Dallas are both elite. I, I'm not touching the Giants. Um, if I had to bet something, It'd be a slight under, but uh, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, seven, eight, nine wins right in the window. Washington, uh, Kiev talked about him a little bit. He's a little higher on them than I am. Eric Bieniemy being a wild card. Obviously, he's proven himself in the Kansas City system, but is that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid? Or is that Eric Bieniemy? Tony talked about how he's been impressed by the first couple of preseason games when House played. Uh, I think they've got a solid defense. They upgraded the offensive line. They kept Darren Payne at defensive tackle. Uh, the draft wasn't crazy about. I think they're still weak in the secondary on defense. Um, but I think this is the year where they either say, let's set it or forget it. Uh, Ron Rivera is going to either have to come in and win with what he's got or he's going to be gone. Uh, I'd say a new GM's probably right behind him. So uh, a lot of people are higher on Washington than I am. I have them at six and 11, which is just under the number. But again, I am not playing anything. And this whole division for me, or at least for the numbers are, is a no play. I'm not on Philly, Dallas, New York, or Washington on futures. And I certainly think there's a lot of variance opportunity here for any team. Dallas could win. <clears throat> excuse me. Dallas could win the division. Washington could win 10 games. Who knows? Philly could win nine. They could win 15. Um, they've got a tough schedule. So staying off the NFC East, if you want in, good luck to you. There is some value if you can find it, but it's not on the Cowboys again. Not on the Cowboys. Let's take a look at the NFC West real quick. Moving back around, finish up the NFC. Uh, for me, I think the NFC West, uh, Obviously, the 49ers defense is the top unit out of any of the eight offensive or defensive across the board. But who's going to be the quarterback? Brock Purdy, when he's healthy here, Dre Lance, Sam Darnold. Uh, they haven't had the quarterback consistency in order to win. Jimmy G, uh, could they have beat Philly in that game last year if they had a healthy quarterback? I certainly think so. But they've got weapons on offense for whoever it is. Christian McCaffrey is still showing he's an elite player in the backfield. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. Uh, you've got options on offense, both in the backfield and in the passing game. They're stars at every level, but led by Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave. Uh, I think their biggest loss is actually DeMarco Ryan's going home to Houston as a defensive coordinator. He was elite there. He had elite players. He's a great players coach. Um, but they're going to be playing against one of the weakest divisions in football with the Rams, the Cardinals. Seattle should be about what they were last year, maybe a little better. Uh, but I think, you know, over the course of a full season, this team's going to win plenty of games to win the division. I've got them at 12. I lean to the over on this. Uh, but I don't trust the quarterback situation. And if it's Trey Lance, Sam Darnold for an extended period of time, uh, that 10.5 could certainly go under if it happens the wrong way. Seattle kind of came out of nowhere with, with Geno Smith. 
Uh, I don't think uh, he was in the right situation previously, obviously being a little bit younger. And Pete Carroll, giving him a solid defense and a solid running game, certainly opened things up for him. That and uh, getting one of the best rookie draft classes in recent NFL history with tackles Charles Cross, Abraham Lucas, Kenneth Walker, uh, and then Tariq Wollin at corner. So he had a great line, good running game, all with young, underdeveloped talent initially coming out of the draft, but turning out to be solid NFL players. And Pete Carroll is still one of the top five coaches in the NFL. I don't care who you are, he's doing more with less than almost anybody else. In one down year, bounce back year last year with Gino. And I think they grabbed the best cornerback in the draft in Devin Witherspoon. Um, should totally revamp the defense on that side of things. Uh, Jackson Smith, excuse me, Jackson Smith, uh, had a, a little wrist issue. He just had surgery. We'll see how long he's out for. Still got DK Metcalf on the other side. Um, so this team is going to be able to run the ball. They're going to open up solid play action. And defense is going to be better than it was last year when they were able to check in with nine wins. Um, so I think nine wins is a good, solid, good, solid spot for them to be in. That's uh, exactly where I have them landing this year. And now I'm going to change it up versus a lot of people talking. Los Angeles Rams. I, I'm back in on the Rams slightly. Uh, they're older. Uh, the offensive line is not built to protect a 35-year-old pocket guy who has already taken uh, more sacks than anybody else in his career in the time he's been playing. And uh, the rest of the offense obviously can score some points. You know, he's got weapons. Uh, and he's won a Super Bowl two years ago. Jalen Ramps is gone. Harold Donald's still the leap, but he's getting older. Twilight of his career, Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford can still make things happen. So for this team to be at six and a half, even money on both sides, I, I'm going to lean to the over here. And this is just based on history. And if Stafford gets hurt or anything else happens to this team from an injury standpoint with Cup and anything else, maybe this doesn't happen. But they have an easy schedule. And if they both stay healthy, they're going to get to seven wins. Uh, I don't see any way around that. Arizona, new GM, new head coach. J.J. Watt, Andre Hopkins are gone. They invested a lot in the draft on the offensive and defensive line, which obviously they needed to. Kyler Murray, not sold on. Seems to be a little bit of a uh, little bit of a head case when it comes to certain things. Uh, but obviously the talent is there. He can run. He, he can throw. He's not Justin Fields when it comes to throwing downfield. Kyler Murray has proven in the NFL that he can throw downfield. With his head's on straight, he's focused on what he's doing. He's going to be able to create opportunities. I still think they're the least talented roster in the NFL overall. Um, so I lean under. I think this is going to be a reset process here. They're going to want to pull things up, start over, get their own guys. Uh, and once they get a couple games in here, they're going to do just that. So I lean under, but the numbers all the way down to four and a half. If it was five and a half or six, uh, definitely be on the under. But at four and a half, it's hard, it's hard to bet on a team to lose 13 games in a 17-game season. But uh, Arizona would be the team for me that would do that if I was going to play on one. Going to move back over quickly to the AFC West. We touched on this a little bit yesterday. I'm, I'm on the value on the on the two second and third numbers on the board, Denver and Los Angeles. Kansas City obviously won a Super Bowl. Got a lot of cap space that they had to move. They lost a good chunk of their team, but they proved they can do this uh, just last year. Getting rid of Tyreek Hill, the offense didn't seem to miss a beat. Uh, but the offensive line 
could be an issue now. Uh, they had to replace both starting tackles this year in Kansas City. Uh, Mahomes has struggled in pressure situations, according to some metrics. And the other question for me is Travis Kelsey. Is Mahomes and Kelsey going to be good for another five, six, seven years? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, Kelsey turns 34 years old this year. Well, I think he's amazing and an elite talent. He's obviously proven that. At some point, that age is going to kept up, catch up to him. So I, I, I think they're they're prime for a pick and to have somebody else come and finally knock them off that division. And for me, as we talked about yesterday, it, it's the Chargers. They're the same talent-wise. That offensive elite is elite if they can stay healthy. You look at all the weapons that Herbert has out there, if they're all together on the field at the same time. And that's the big question. And if they are, the value here on them to win the division is certainly there. You got Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Derwin James on the back end. Uh, the defense isn't as bad as they performed last year. Again, they had plenty of issues. And I think if they can actually stay healthy, this team can give Kansas City a run for their money. As far as the bottom half goes, we talked about the Raiders last year. I'm going to touch on Denver real quick. Um, you know, the Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson, prima donna experiment didn't work. Uh, but the hype train's back in with Sean Payton. And if Russ actually has talent still, which I think he does, uh, he's going to find it. And Jerry Judy is an elite wide receiver. You look at the last six games he played last year coming back from an ankle injury. Uh, I think he was third in yards per catch, fourth in total catches. He was there healthy and making a difference. Uh, the Broncos were still only scoring 17 points a game, but that is neither here nor there. If they're healthy again, both these teams have a shot to knock off the Chiefs. So if I'm going to make a bet on the division, that's the way I'm looking. It's on the Chargers. It's on the Broncos. It's fading the Chiefs. And I'm not touching the win total there uh, for Kansas City. I am going to go over on Los Angeles and Denver and sprinkle them to win the division. And as we chime back in here, I'm going to welcome back in Kiev. Uh, we covered most of the divisions with the exception of a couple. Uh, I was downstairs. Fact. I mean, there's just a lot of proxies out there. Lots of people are signing up for the contest. It's great. Uh, Tony's down there getting some people signed up right now. I left some swag there if anyone wants to stop by and grab some at the Circa. So uh, come down and grab some swag and uh, uh, enjoy your time here. You know, come say hi. I'll be at the pool from 1 o'clock to 5 o'clock here. So come say hi at the pool or or, or wherever you're at. And uh, tomorrow we'll be here all day as well. We'll be at the conference at, uh, at about three o'clock talking a little sports betting, but uh, you know, it's been a, a pleasure, Sean, doing this with you this week and uh, such a great time. We met such great people and had such great guests. And uh, uh, I, I think I don't just speak for myself that uh, this is one of the most wonderful times of the year. It, it is my favorite weekend of the year. And uh, De Derek and Mike and the crew here at Circa put on a fantastic event for this whole weekend. So if you're ever thinking about coming out and getting one of these entries, this is the weekend to do it. Week zero is the ultimate contest weekend at Circa. Uh, this is when you want to come out. So week zero, college football, six, seven games. Come on out, hang out, get entered in the contest, meet a lot of people in the industry, and then hang out at the pool and watch college football on Saturday. It doesn't get any better than that. For Sean Kanaki, I am Kiev Odeo from the Odds Breakers. Please feel free to check us out at theoddsbreakers.com. We're going to have free packages, or sorry, free plays, and we have premium packages if you are interested in our premium plays. We always try to get things before the line moves. Everybody, enjoy your weekend and go get some winners.